welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We are your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. 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 <laughs> What's up, everybody? Uh, you know. I'm out of breath, apparently. Of why? What are you doing? Well, see, what happened <laughs> we're was... We're sitting. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting. I haven't moved. <laughs> what happened was uh, we ate a meal earlier, and I said, I want to save half of it for my next meal, which happened <laughs> to be three hours later for second dinner. <laughs> yeah, so same night different meal technically <laughs> so now i'm full and i'm out of breath that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> i support it i support it too um no, what's new nothing that i can think of Isn't did you weird? just ask yourself a question <laughs> yeah no i was thinking out loud to myself as she asked the question what is new <laughs> what is new in your life Lindsay? <laughs> nothing <laughs> we all got the second round of covid vaccinations we did we're immune we are we're all in the healthcare field just uh fyi and we'll go ahead and say that the second shot hurts a lot more than the first shot y'all i would be willing to say yes See, i don't know that it hurt more i just felt it more like my body side was effects achy and, yeah, yeah. had worse side effects the second time around than the first and by worse i mean like fatigue and achy like nothing terrible <laughs> which by the way that is exactly what they say will happen so mm-hmm. this is not news right so we're here to tell you that that's pretty true <laughs> but i felt like the second shot itself like i didn't feel the first shot at all but the second shot like i felt it and i was like how <laughs> just just a random question though did you change arms or did you No, do i did the same, the same arm, arm. Mm, okay i did mine in different arms i, I didn't intentionally do mine in different arms it's just they had their chair facing yes. one way and i was afraid to ask that's for exactly what else. happened to me i, <laughs> I sat like, down and i was like i don't want to ask them to move they <laughs> asked me which arm when i sat down not the second time for me oh um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I always do my dominant arm, so I always do my right arm. That yeah. was my plan. But... Yeah, same. <laughs> you guys are such <laughs> fours and sixes. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to make waves. So sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> be fine. Everything's fine. But my arm hurt like a bitch. It did. It, mine hurt too. <laughs> you know, it's probably the microchip. Yeah, that where that mm, giant needle that got stuck in my arm. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they forgot to retract it out of there. Dang, I can feel it in there still. I, it's in, it's an inch long. <laughs> We're all feeling better. Thank yes. God. It was it was a short-lived, like, symptom situation. Like, 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. A little rough for yeah. a minute, but totally, w- we feel okay. Worth it. it. Yeah. Better than getting COVID, y'all. For, for us, yes. Talk to your doctor. Deal with your situation. What you will. We're never going to tell you one way or the other. We're not here to give medical advice over a podcast. <laughs> Please consult a professional. <laughs> Which we are not. <laughs> We're not professionals. Don't seek our advice. Anyhow... We feel good now. I feel great. Yeah, I feel good too. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we're back on our, our um, <laughs> next group project. Next group project. What time? Or no, no. What no, time some, is it? It's group project time. time. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about this time on our group project, guys? Yeah, boys didn't tell us what we are talking about. It's only because I introduced the last one and she did the one before that. Oh, I, I, re- I was like, I got <laughs> we put you on the spot. Really freaked me out. I was like, what? I didn't know if we were gonna sing. I didn't know if I was just supposed you to were... do general. <laughs> it was like a long inhale, <sighs> and you're waiting for my cue. And meanwhile, the... my mouth just opened like <laughs> I saw the panic across her face. <laughs> it's just the you two missed of my us. cue. You put her on stage fright. It's just the two of us. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I just man. meant like read the title. My of what heart we're doing. is pounding. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot how you hate when I put you on the spotlight. 
Sorry. You don't have hey, to tell us what you're covering if you don't want to. Do, do you want me to do it? No, no, no. I can do it. I okay, can do okay. It. You can. You got this. Here. Now I'm prepared. Now, um, go ahead and try it again. Try it again. Mm. Yeah, Boydson, tell yeah. us what we're talking about tonight. Oh, we're gonna talk about possibly the first serial killer, at least in America. H. Yeah. H. Holmes. What? We're doing a true crime group. Yeah. <laughs> Are we not going to sing again? I'm sorry. You, I thought you were going to say true crime and you just kept going on about Holmes. I was trying. I did my deep inhale. Nobody saw. True crime. Crime. Okay. Okay. That was beautiful. Um, yeah. First serial killer. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. Well, so. in America. I don't know. We haven't researched all the other countries. <laughs> and it's debatable. Is he Jack the, the Ripper was probably around before Holmes. Nope. Nope. Same time. Was it? Yep. Oh, interesting. Okay. Maybe listen to Sarah's history on H.H. Holmes. Maybe Sorry. just know what I just said because I didn't mention it in my history, but oh, I did see that in my that. history. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. I know there were some places try to say like, oh, is Jack the Ripper H.H. Holmes? So I was just going to say that. Is somebody talking about any theories or anything like that? No, it wasn't on my to-do list. Which is, it, it wasn't on mine. I double-checked. I missed one of my two <laughs> sections, but <laughs> that was not one. Can you please come prepared next time? <laughs> Listen, I was overly prepared in the wrong direction. <laughs> she did another whole story that we're I not did. even doing this Listen, week. Listen, we, we talk about this, like, as yep. a group, in a group yep. text message, text so message. we decide FaceTimed. what topics we're going to do yep. as a group, and then Lindsay... Um, sections them out and then we yep. all volunteer for what sections mm-hmm. and then maybe like four or five days later sarah texts us she's like so we're doing um true crime <laughs> smorgasbord and true crime right Which was i've right. got i've got like kind of a two-parter so maybe we can do two episodes i was like still what true. are you talking about <laughs> still true i'm gonna she do this missed all the group text she missed the group no. facetime <laughs> that happened <laughs> okay can i explain <laughs> When I heard we were doing group projects, for some reason, I thought we were spacing them out a lot further. The whole, you're going to do a group thing for each topic every other month. February is all groups. March is going to be individual stories. See, that's not what I was hearing. I was thinking you're doing like a group project in... Like interspersed with all of these. Yes. Yes, Like true crime was in January. Yes. And the every every true crime, every whatever third. I gotcha. Okay, so... My brain overthought it. I know that's shocking, but that is where I was. And and to be fair, I, I know we talked about details, but we never talked about dates for those. <laughs> to be fair for Sarah, to have Sarah's back here, I ask Boydston every single week at work, what are we recording this week? I didn't write it down. <laughs> but now I'm just going to be overly. Also, we talked about it on our um, group FaceTime. and then I knew what we were talking about. I just I didn't sent know when. a detailed text message with like, this is what we're doing on this date. This is an individual See, this project. Is, this, this is, is a group why we project. have a group notebook now. So you it's can fine. email it there so was, I don't have to filter there through. There was a miscommunication and no, no I suck fixed. at it and I'm trying to help The myself. text messages sometimes do get lost That's in um, among all the memes and TikToks we also share I'm in like, between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, look at this TikTok. I'll That's like, why I sent it all in one big paragraph so you could put it in your You your did. Calendars. It was even numbered. You your did calendars. a good job. That's fine. I That's did. Fine. I put it as true crime and smorgasbord. I did not put it. And that's why I knew. Group. Individual. <laughs> Group. Listen. I try. I I, I don't know. I suck at it. Group notebook. Group <laughs> notebook. That's why we have this now. It helps me. Next step is group calendar. 
Boydson manages our calendar, too. She does a great job. We have a rocket book. We're learning how to use it. <laughs> They're pretty cool. So you can, like, scan them and upload whatever you wrote down on the notebook um, into different areas. And then you can, like, erase it and reuse it. They're pretty cool. It's a pretty cool Christmas gift from yeah. somebody. I don't know who gave them. But anyways, <laughs> they, do, they do make calendars just like that, which is what I'm trying to say. So we should use those next um, for me. I might be buying those. <laughs> Okay, anyhow, we're going to talk about our friend H.H. H. Holmes. Whoa, are we calling him a friend? Our acquaintance. Our, um... <laughs> Brother from another mother. No, that's no, worse. Killer. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Let's not call serial killers our friends. Okay. Our featured topic. There we go. There you go. That's a good one. All right, bottoms up. We're, we got some energy drinks. We got some wine. That's what I meant. He's our featured topic friend. Whatever's in your cup. Drink up. So we're going to talk about Herman Webster Mudgett, who became better known as H.H. Holmes. So you might hear me kind of intertwine those names. Um, But he was born May 16th of 1861 in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. He was the youngest of three, son of a farmer named Levi and a housewife named Theodate. Beautiful name. If you guys are interested in Theodate. Names for children. I love the name Theodore for a boy, so I'm not sure I love Theodate. This is the female version. Knock on wood. <laughs> Hold on. Or it may be Theodate. If I, I really ever have t- twins again, Theodore and Theodate. <laughs> Theodate. Theodate and Theodore. Theo and Theo squared. Come here, please. <laughs> Teddies, come here. Teddies. Oh, gosh. I need to knock on wood again for oh, not my. having twins. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, now you know their names. Yep. Knock that one off the list. Never get them confused. Okay. <laughs> Teddy and Teddy. Theo, Theo Date. Okay. All right. <laughs> <They> were, <laughs> we ran that joke in the ground. <laughs> I do that. Um, they were all dev- devout Methodist, which obviously means they were great people. They were very religious. Mm. Religious a, people never do anything wrong. That's said in kind of shade because he grew up in some some rough, rough childhood, honestly. I was like, what's wrong with Methodists? <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, go ahead. Nothing really, so, but it's just interesting that it's always used as they were great people because they were religious. Got it. Okay. And they were Methodist, but in reality, his There's childhood was really everywhere. rough. Yeah. He was abused as a child, beat regularly and puni- as punishment, and locked into the attic. Um, he was a self-described mother's boy. Mama's boy? Mother's boy. Mama's boy. Mama's boy. <laughs> Same thing. Um, so he would fantasize about his fa- parents' death. Especially oh. after hearing about the Great Chicago Fire. Not so much Mama's Boy then. <laughs> right. Um, I believe this was probably after the beatings and punishment. Um, mm-hmm. He would say he would imagine them burning alive until their bones were nothing but ash. This is like <sighs> as a child. This is some pretty serious psychological trauma. Just kind of gives you a hint into his brain. One of his most famous memories or like most memorable times when he was younger was um, when some neighborhood boys forced him inside of a doctor's office, knowing that he was terrified of doctor's offices at the time. Hmm. And to be fair, doctor's offices were probably pretty terrifying at the time. So modern medical science was just beginning around this time. And this was during a time of transition. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it, but doctor's offices would have fresh corpses for dissection so that they could learn, like in the back room. Anybody could go in and see it. Um, goals what goals goals oh you you want to go to your primary care and be like hey can i see the body in the back (laughs) no but 
I took a, in college, I took a dissection class yeah, sure. and it was absolutely fascinating. It was fascinating. That's kind of what I thought of when they were talking about this. But I don't think that there was um, consent on the corpse corpse before they died. <laughs> no corpse consent. Yeah, corpse consent. I couldn't even do the owl pellet dissection. <laughs> oh, man. The um, That's anatomy all I did. class was really fascinating. Because I took biology in high school, so we didn't have to do. Like, I can then. see why you'd need to have a corpse there to learn about a body. But to, like, have one in the back of a doctor's office that was probably smelly. It's kind of weird. Yeah. They were also just, like, perfect skeletons hanging in the office that were, you know, probably real. Like, real skeletons. Real skeletons. Not plastic. Yeah. Yeah. So this freaked him out. He had this fear. So the boys dragged him into the office and forced him to look at the skeleton. And he said that when he opened his eyes, that all of his fear went away. And that's when his curiosity about the human body began. Opposite effect. Yeah, so this is especially creepy because what we know about his childhood is from his own writing. So he's saying this like in reflection, like, I remember this and this is what sparked my interest. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of start to see what's going to take place. So at age 11, he began dissecting live animals and keeping them alive as long as he could. He kept a treasure box in his family's house in the cellar. It included keepsakes of killings, including skulls, cat paws, and oddly, a picture of a twelve-year of his twelve-year-old sweetheart. You know, just because that belongs there together. Hmm. Cat paws, skulls, and his twelve-year-old girlfriend. He has an eclectic taste. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm surprised Boydson's not commenting on the cat paws thing. It's part of the history. I had to. No, I feel it. like in my brain the cat paws are fake, and he just dissected goldfish. Okay, sure. <laughs> I like how she <laughs> lives in a fantasy world sometimes. Okay, if that helps you, like, bubble off things. Sure does. To, yeah, I get it. <laughs> he had one friend named Tom growing up who tragically died after he fell while the, while the two were playing. Aww. And some people thought mm. that maybe Holmes was responsible. Oh, but this, pushed him. this was never confirmed. But, you know. Or still, denied. Still pretty sus. So when people... They always pointed to this, too. So people asked him if he was sad that Tom died, and he responded with, I'd rather be alone, which they thought was weird. But I'm also like, he was like 11 years old processing. I don't think wanting to be alone is that weird, is my what I'm trying to say. No, it's not. But it's a weird response to say when your friend was, I, I don't want to say killed, when your friend died in front of you. Under mysterious age. circumstances. Yeah. If your friend died in front of you and police asked how you felt about it, I wouldn't. my first response would be like, I like to be alone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'd probably be like, I don't know. I just want to be alone, but I'm dramatic. So. <laughs> That's You're what sitting I in a dark room by yourself. Like listening to my head. Taylor Swift songs. Like, <laughs> Listen to feelings. Driver's License. <laughs> I fucking love Driver's License, okay? <laughs> I'm teenager forever. I've recommended it to anybody who will listen to music. <laughs> I love that like meme where it's like women in their 30s happily married listening to breakup songs. I'm like, yes. Speaking me with <laughs> Olivia Rodriguez, I think is her name. And on, driver's know. license. And then um, Taylor Swift. Yep. Anyhow, there I am. I am, I'm feeling his emotion and I'd rather be alone. <laughs> <laughs> he graduated high school at age 16 and became a teacher. He married Clara Lovering at age 18, and shortly after, he left her to go to medical school, and I think she probably dodged a bullet in this scenario. Sounds like it. She He left her, but he didn't divorce her. Oh, okay. Okay. He left her to go to school. He went to the University of Michigan, 
which was known at the time as the leading medical school in the art of dissection of human corpses. So it sounds like he really wanted to just be like a mortician. You'd think. He had definitely had a fascination with dead with the bodies. dead bodies. He yeah. doesn't want to like heal people. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's interesting you say that. He doesn't yeah, usually you want to heal people if you go yeah. into medicine. He's like looking at it from the He's like the opposite a side. Mortician or medical examiner. He's fascinated at the dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So according to Holmes, this is where his career as a criminal truly began. His crimes up until then were fairly diverse, but his favorite crime was fraud. Oh. He was very ambitious. He graduated college and had high aspirations for himself, which, you know, most serial killers, as we know, they're they're actually pretty smart. I'm not trying to say they're not. No, they but, are. But a lot of them don't go and graduate college or med school, to say the least. Most of them don't. Yeah. No, m- because their thoughts may be fairly disorganized in that sense. Most of so, them are intelligent. I mean, to yeah. pull off what they do, you have to be intelligent. Absolutely. Um, he was described as a con artist and a pathological liar. Mm. And <laughs> I thought this was funny, so I had to include it. But it was described that he had pointy ears that indicated devilry and vice. Is that a witch thing? <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was, was actually written about him. Elves. <laughs> Devilry. I've I've never heard that before. Pointed ears being a... Listen, I didn't write it. We need to investigate that further. (laughs) He was a huge ladies man and described um, as attractive at the time. Mm -hmm. Which, I've seen pictures of him. And (laughs) I think he was probably just described as that because he didn't have like a bullet hole in his face or like, you know, half of his ear. Also the times. That's what I'm saying. Like... Yeah. Probably had all his teeth. <laughs> Maybe. Questionable. Yeah. He definitely had two eyes and a nose and a mouth. <laughs> two eyes and a nose. <laughs> and like no giant missing eyeballs or anything crazy. He was, That's he probably was charismatic. That's he ar- absolutely was. People yeah. aspired to be just like him, actually. So yeah. because he was so charismatic. So during medical school, he came up with a plan with a fellow student. The plan was to take out. Um, life insurance policies on each other, steal a cadaver from the school, then fake the death of the other one. Mm. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> so this is a time that, like, suddenly Holmes had, he obtains a body that was an uncanny resemblance to another student and his closest friend who he came up with this plan for. Allegedly, he and his friend devised this plan together and found and killed somebody or stole the cadaver. You know, who who knows? It's kind of up in the air. But this person, this cadaver, looked almost just like his friend. And they put the body in his friend's bed and there was little to no investigation into the case. What? He, col- he collected the full amount, presumably sharing it with his quote-unquote dead friend. Yep. So... <laughs> <laughs> so he specifically, according to him, he took corpses that were badly burned or decomposed because uh. they couldn't really be identified. And changing names at the times was really easy to do. So yeah. you could just be like, yeah, that was my buddy. And nobody noticed these missing cadavers showing up? Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, nope, they sure didn't. Hey, look, there's a missing dead body down here. Oh, well. <laughs> no, that was not a thing at okay. the time. Unfortunately, it was an easier thing to do. Yeah. He graduated medical school and took a job as a pharmacist and, quote-unquote, accidentally poisoned a woman with a concoction of meds, question mark. 
who knows like gave her the wrong meds yeah okay yeah um the interesting part though is he was definitely not a pharmacist i was gonna say you don't go to medical school (laughs) to be a pharmacist right he's definitely not a pharmacist he's a doctor graduated medical school but he was not a pharmacist i wonder why he took a job as a pharmacist okay these were different times so no but he likes bodies but yeah. it would easily give him easy access to um, chemicals that right. he could kill people with, and gotcha. then he'd have bodies. Okay. People were starting to get a little suspicious of him. Right. Um, especially after this person accidentally died, even though I, I feel like at the time, even if you are a pharmacist, that it might be fairly easy to mess things up and people might die at that time. I don't know. I'm not a pharmacist, but it was back in the time when things were... They probably didn't have not like, as controlled, right? Not as controlled substances. There wasn't like right liability insurance yeah. or anything. Yeah, I but get it. He did leave Philadelphia and ended up in Chicago. He took a job as a pharmacist in 1885, um, and he changed his name to his now famous alias as H. H. Holmes, like I mentioned in the beginning. That's kind of what we know him as for the most part. So at this pharmacy in Chicago, it was called Holton Drugs, and it was a husband-wife duo that owned the store. So when the owner, Mr. Holton, passed away, his wife was left to take over the responsibilities. And Holmes convinced the widow to let him buy the store. And soon after, she went missing. Um, You know, they had a good patronage, a good following, and people would ask where is she, where, I mean, where'd she go? And he told concerned customers that she moved to California, but this was never verified and she was never seen again. Yeah. So right across the street from the pharmacy where he worked was a big open lot that he eventually, I guess you would say bought. Did he buy, do you buy lots at the time? I don't yep, know. He bought yeah. it. But he decided to build a property on. And now I'm going to hand it over to Lindsay. This is the murder mansion. So this was, it's more commonly referred to as the House of Horrors because a lot of horrible things went down there. Um, so he, like you said, built this lot. It took up an entire block. It was huge. Um, it contained more than 100 rooms, which if you think about it, that's a lot of rooms. Um, so the first floor he had, it was all storefronts that he rented out for businesses. So it was like shops. People would pay him money. And that's kind of how he kept up with everything. And the second floor... In the basement are going to be the murder rooms. We're going to talk about that more in detail. And then the third floor <clears throat> was like apartments that he also rented out that people can live in. And they said this is probably where he got a lot of his victims was like the hotel apartments that people would rent. So while he was building it, or he himself wasn't building it, but while he was having it built, he was constantly switching builders and architects throughout construction so nobody could tell what he was actually designing and nobody knew what he was designing except for himself. He kind of built up a reputation where he would promise money if they gave him, you know, services. And then he would say, this isn't up to par. This isn't what I want. He would not give them money and just hire somebody else. So he was also getting away with building this with all this fraud because he wasn't paying these contractors and architects along the way. So he did it for really cheap. Kind of found a loophole there. The house, the mansion, whatever you want to call it, it was eventually completed in 1892. So here's some weird stuff about the house. I'm really going to focus on the second floor in the basement. Perfect. All right. So the second floor. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, the Winchester house yet. 
we haven't covered that one yet. We haven't covered it. We, we have just briefly mentioned that we want to go there. Yes. Maybe maybe it should be our our topic. So I'm sure most people are familiar with the Winchester House mm-hmm. in California mm-hmm. and how it's famous because it doesn't make sense. Like, it's just stuff that's been added on to stuff. So Holmes's second floor kind of looked a lot like that. So there were staircases that went nowhere. There was uh, hinged walls. There was fake partitions. There would be rooms with no no doors whatsoever or windows. And then there'd be rooms that would have like five or six doors to them. There was every room was soundproof and he would use iron plated around the room to make it soundproof back then. He had gassing chambers that were hidden under the floorboards. His apartment itself had a trap door in the bathroom, which went down to a staircase, which then went to a windowless cubicle which then had a chute to the basement and his chute to the basement was not for laundry. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> it was for bodies. It was for bodies. It was a body chute. Oh, I didn't body catch chute. that. It was not a laundry chute. Um, and he had many of the rooms on the second floor had chutes that were again, not for laundry. So all the doors and some of the stairs were linked to an alarm system that would alert him in his bedroom to any movement. So if anybody opened a door, he would know if anybody went upstairs or downstairs, he would know. So the basement had shelves of acid just sitting there. And when police eventually got to the house and were investigating it, there was a skull that was still there and there was some ribs that were still dissolving in the acid. Yikes. Yeah, not good. There was a operating table that was completely covered in blood, a crematory, because you know, got to burn the bodies, lots of medical tools, torture devices. He would basically put the bodies down the chutes, dissect them, clean them, and then he would sell the organs or skeletons to either medical institutions or black market. And I looked it up because I was curious. Like you could sell like a fully, like a full skeleton completely cleaned at that time ran for about $20,000 in our time. Which is why I think the the body, I don't know what to call it, body robbing, body whatever. Snatchers. Body snatchers, body snatchers. thank you. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. So, like we said, Holmes was the only one who knew the layout of the house because he purposely kept it hidden from everybody else. So, the Chicago Tribune wrote in 1937, you know, this is after, obviously, the house has been discovered. Oh, what a queer house it was. In all America, there was none other like it. Its chimneys stuck out where chimneys should never stick out. Its stairways ended nowhere in particular. Winding passages brought the uninitiated with a frightful jerk back to where they had started from. There were rooms that had no doors. There were doors that had no rooms. A mysterious house it was indeed. A crooked house. A reflex of the builder's own distorted mind. So there is the second floor layout. Man, that's so crazy. It literally looks like a maze. Yes. Like there's just no rhyme or reason yes. to any of the rooms. Which was done on purpose again. So his I'm victims to, like, wouldn't picture, know how to get out. Right. So you'd have to like go in, around, out. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. And we'll post a picture of this on yeah. Instagram so you guys can see it. It's just kind of crazy. Every bedroom on the second floor had peepholes so he could watch mm. what was going on. Man, he is next level. They were all airtight rooms and they were all soundproof, like I said. The basement, he had a torture, a medieval torture device to stretch the body that he called an elasticity determinator. Okay. And what are you trying to determine? <laughs> Their elasticity. Is there like a meter on there? I'm thinking of that old, and I don't know if this is what it was because it just said a medieval torture device. I'm thinking of that one where the arms and legs are stretched out. Like where you're laying on your back. Yeah. And they crank it 
and it stretches. I picture like Princess Bride. Didn't I mention this once before? Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably. Yeah. So one horrible thing that they found as well, and we're going to go, I mean, I know you guys are going to go back to all this, but this is just when the police were going through the house and found it. Um, a female footprint was discovered on the door of a vault. So their best guess was that a woman was locked in and left the print while she was trying to like kick down the door to escape. That's sad. So it's believed that Holmes poured acid on the floor and she stepped in it and then kicked the door in her final attempt to escape and left her footprint there. Holmes originally planned to build a second hotel in Fort Worth, Texas. Never happened because, you know, he got captured. (laughs) The hotel was mostly destroyed by a fire in August of 1895. There's two theories about what happened. One theory is that vigilantes torched it because of the horror and because they just didn't want the city of Chicago to be reminded of what went down in that house. Another theory is that Holmes paid somebody to do it to cover up evidence, even though police had already searched it and had more than enough evidence. The shops were reopened, so the second and third levels were completely destroyed. But in 1937, the U.S. government bought it and demolished it and then opened a post office there. I bet that post office is haunted. (laughs) I bet it is, too. It's hard to say, right? Because the the ground isn't, well underground is yeah so it says they demolished so it was just the ground level i mean the basement was probably still there it says they demolished it and then it's now a post office i don't know how much of the structure is still there i'm kind of a believer of like spirits are transient anyway so they they come and go yeah but if they're like connected to that part then they probably would go that did you say it was a bank post office post office the post office is 100 percent haunted the inglewood post office let's ask him inglewood post office Reach out to us. Let us know. And I've been to Chicago. Your your stories. <laughs> I've been to Chicago, and I'm like, I wonder where this is because I want to go find this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just to walk by it. So back to Crazy. 1891, just after the construction of the murder castle was complete, Holmes placed ads in newspapers presenting himself as a wealthy man looking for a wife and offering jobs for young women and offered his castle as lodging. So it said that all of Holmes' employees, his hotel guests, and his many fiancés and wives were required to have life insurance policies. But mysteriously, many of his women suitors, employees, and guests would suddenly disappear. Some neighbors would report that they saw many women enter the castle, but would never see them exit. So a big moneymaker was coming to town, the World Fair, which they were trying to celebrate the 400th anniversary of christopher columbus Mm. in the americas Mm -hmm. Mm. so during that uh, many guests were lured to the hotel but several never left and then once the world fair had ended chicago's economy was in a slump therefore Holmes abandoned the castle and focused on insurance scams committing random murders along the way so that's kind of where we will take the story In 1894, he was arrested for stealing horses. He met a guy named Marion Hedgepath in jail, and these two concocted a new insurance scam. Holmes said he would take out an insurance policy for $10,000, fake his own death, and then provide Marion with $500 in exchange for a lawyer who could help if any issues arose. Once he was released on bail, he attempted this plan, but the insurance company was suspicious and they didn't pay out. So Marion 
got angry for never receiving his money, and he turned Holmes into the police, where they began to look into him further. And this kind of sets in motion kind of his downfall with the police looking after him, trying to find him. I was just going to say, can I mention something about when he was in jail with Marion? I did hear that, too. Sure. That he, when he was in jail with him, he was in jail with Marion, and uh, he had seen somebody um, die by death by hanging. And he saw it as like a um, a vision or something that was to indicate that he shouldn't go on with his further crimes. But yeah. he did. It was like an well, epiphany. It was an omen. Yeah. But yeah. omen, that's a better word. He didn't listen. No, he did not. But I thought that was very interesting that he saw it. He like see, saw everything in the shadows right. happening. And then he was just like, no, I'm going to keep going. So while police were investigating Holmes, they stumbled across his murder castle and discovered many bodies so badly decomposed and dismembered that it was hard to even determine exactly how many bodies were there. Mm -hmm. And that ties into Lindsay's part of the story with the murder castle. But in the meantime, he came up with another similar plan involving one of his past accomplices, Benjamin Peitzel. He took out a $10,000 insurance policy, and the plan was to have Peitzel fake his own death. But... He killed him in any way. Mm, nice. Mm, well, so, he's a good friend. Yeah. It's and, very sarcastic. And Eva... Keep your friends close. Huh? Huh? Are you winking at me? Are you going to kill me? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Terrible killer. <laughs> Lindsay, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> she says with the biggest smile on her face. Continue, Boydson. I'm so Literally. sorry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so Holmes killed Peitzel instead, and... In an even bigger fraud attempt, he made it look like an accident. So Benjamin Peitzel, we know, is dead, but right. no one knows this yet. And now he has to find a way to get rid of his family. His family is eventually going to be like, well, I mean, where is he? Right. And it would be suspicious because he has people to miss him. <laughs> and, you know, somebody's got to get this payout for this insurance policy. Right. So Holmes goes to Peitzel's unsuspecting widow, Carrie, to let her know that the two had come up with this plan and would need her help to um, help them carry it out by identifying the body, quote unquote. Remember, at this point, Carrie thinks her husband is caught up in a scheme to get insurance money and doesn't think he's actually dead. So part of the plan was to have Peitzel's oldest daughter go with Holmes to, quote, identify the body. He takes all the older Peitzel children, ages 15, 11, and 8, with him under the ruse that they would actually be meeting up with their dad at a safe house. Oh, no, I don't like this. So their mom, Carrie, was sick at the time, and she was also caring for her infant son, and she was to come separately. So he strategically separated the family. Oh, I don't like this more. The family travels frequently and in small groups. They never stayed in one place for long. The children are led to believe that they're going to be reunited with their parents very soon, um, but Holmes was always coming up with an excuse for why it hadn't happened yet. So along the way, Holmes is with eight-year-old Howard, and he rents a house and installs a large wood stove and has two cases of surgical instruments sharpened. Oh, no, 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 no. Not long after, Howard is killed via poisoning, and we can use our imaginations for the rest. Nope. Holmes tells Carrie that he left Howard in Indianapolis with a cousin and um, he meets up with the older girls, Alice and Nellie, where he, again, murders a piece of the Peitzel family, likely poisoning both girls at the same time. He had a neighbor that told police, like, yeah, he has to borrow a shovel for 
potatoes in the cellar, which just... Come on. I mean, so right. he... I mean, he takes out over half of the Peitzel family. Eventually, the police catch up with him, and he's arrested in Boston. He's guilty. I don't know how many murders he actually um, says that he did commit. I know. Okay. He uh, confessed to 27 murders. 27, but it's thought that it was probably a lot more. I'm sure he said he did quite a few more because that's kind of how he is, right? Right. It's thought he could have done up to 200, right, right. if not more, but he confessed only to 27. So he okay. was... Which is still a lot. Still a ton. Yeah. Yeah. He was sentenced to hang. And while he was waiting, he wrote his memoir, mm-hmm. which Lindsay got a lot of her information from. Mm. Um, and he was hanged in Boston and they didn't do it right. It took up to 15 minutes for him to actually die. Oh, that's a rough death. It's interesting though, for four people who have had like such a terrible history with like their killing, um, their victims are so innocent, like these children. Right. Um, not that anybody deserves to die more than any other, but you know what I'm saying? Like eight year olds. Right. Probably have never done anything in their life. But I'm I'm saying, do you think just just putting it out there, do you think that this uh long death was accidental? I mean Question mark? There's a good chance that people wanted him to suffer. Suffer. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to indicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am I don't know, it's just interesting to think about. I can't say one way or the other, obviously, but it's just fascinating to me, like how long yeah. he was able to go on and do these mm-hmm. things before he got caught. Which you think, I mean, he basically had the murder house for two, three years before police right. arrested him. So that's why they think up to 200 people because he, during this time that he had that, like he had people in and out constantly because of the fair going on. Right. And he had hired, I saw a fun fact about him that he hired 150 women over those two years yeah. to work for him as stenographers. I'm like, why is he hiring 150 women? That's a lot of women to go so through. So I actually was, I didn't know, again, I don't know whether I was going to cross over to any other people's mm-hmm. section. So I was hearing about Chicago at the time and like, this was like a bumbling city and like right. people women, were coming and going. women especially were getting out on their own during this time. Yeah. And Chicago was an easy place for them to go. It was like cheaper for them to go. Mm-hmm. The real estate was cheap. And so that was a very popular spot for them to go mm-hmm. to. So Women were basically flocking to this area yeah. during the time. So yeah. this was like kind of, for lack of a better term, like prime picking yeah. for him. Prime, like hunting grounds, honestly, honestly, for him. yeah. And they were saying that a lot of these were people who would not be missed. You know, he had these women coming in and out and they were mistresses. They were employees right. of his. Yeah. And like you said, they were all venturing out away from their families, moving to, yeah, you know, Chicago. And and to add into his fraud, like, he had multiple wives in his life. And mistresses, yeah. And mistresses, but, like, they called them legitimate wives Mm -hmm. and people he was actually married to, but he never divorced the others. So he was just a con man. Like, he really, really was. He was, he's fascinating in that sense because he conned so many people along the way. I read one article about him and they talked about um, how his biggest crime wasn't murder, it was fraud. Because mm-hmm. he frauded everybody, and that's, that's how he his got his favorite a- crime. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's how he got away with so much of it. Come here, it's very, very, very sad. Yep. Um, I did want to mention too, just because I want to cite my resources, because I took a lot of information from 
the last podcast on the left. They're hilarious. You guys should totally check them out. Um, and they cited The Devil in the White City also, which is a book by uh, Eric Larson. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the most famous true crime books that is on my to-be-read list. Oh, you haven't read it yet? I haven't. I'm shocked. I actually bought that book for my sister-in-law for Christmas. I was well, like, you should definitely read it. I should have bought it for myself, too. Um, I'm going to. There's a lot of other stuff going on about that that book, uh, but I just don't read, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I'm so a listener, not I a reader. Will, I'm actually was planning on going to the bookstore this weekend. So, <laughs> oh, so let us know if you find anything else I out about it. It is truly a fascinating thing. And I can't believe none of us mentioned that there is um, American Horror Story. Yes. After he is Murder House. Yeah. Or not. Well, kind of. Yes. The hotel. Wasn't he? Yes. At the hotel. Yeah. Because there, there was, was all the a flashback killers. of H.H. H. Holmes. Yes. Okay. Yes. It was played by. Oh, my what's gosh. What's his name? Evan. Evan. Evan? Evan? His Evan. first name is Evan. I don't remember his last name. I can picture him. He was Tate in Peters. the Murder House. Peters. Evan Peters. Oh, there we are. Yes. He plays H.H. H. Holmes. We got there. We got there. Look at us. Boys was just staring at us like, <laughs> uh-huh. Did sure. you? Oh, I fucking loved, I loved it. It was crazy. It was crazy. That's actually ha- crazy enough. As much as I'm into true crime, that was the first time I've heard about H.H. H. Holmes. Really? Yes. And I was like, this cannot be real. This cannot be real. And I looked into it. It surely was. Mm-hmm. He's crazy. He is crazy. And he did a crazy job. Did you see the episodes? Mm-hmm. He did a great job. All right, I would guys. recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to our group, True Crime. You can always send us emails at thetipsyghost at gmail.com with anything you want to add. We will read them, I promise. And go to mm-hmm. thetipsyghost.com to find all of our socials from there. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review on Apple Podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We will catch you guys next week. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>